join me, if you would, if you'd open your Bibles to the book of Romans. And I remember one time several years ago, um, was challenged, and uh, the challenge came uh, from an unbeliever, uh, letting me know that Easter is a pagan holiday. Easter is a pagan holiday. And I said, really? That's interesting. And if you know me, you know that I like looking into the history of words, and I'm a word nerd. Uh, and so I, I thought I'm going to investigate to see if this is true or not. Uh, the insinuation was that Christians always steal things, that we, are, we, we steal things and we put our own spin on it, uh, that we never really celebrated anything. We've just added our own spin on someone else's celebration. And, and you know, I've seen many shoddy attempts at debating this, uh, this uh, uh, accusation. Uh, usually there's an argument about whether Christians started uh, the celebration or not, and, and you always uh, have people going back to... Uh, uh, to different times and say and, and show, see this. This is already a celebration taking place. Most of these arguments make people just look foolish and argumentative. Sadly, and another response we often hear is, "Well, we don't celebrate the date; we celebrate the event." And while that is true, while that can be or should be true, the sad truth is that most people really only celebrate the day. In all honesty, many of us only celebrate. The day. Uh, you know, think of it this way. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at this time of the year. Do we celebrate that next week? Do we celebrate that the week after? Were we celebrating it last month? And so the, 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 uh, the sad uh, reality is as much as we say, like at Christmas time, we'll say things like, well, we don't celebrate the date Jesus was born. We just celebrate the birth of Jesus. That ought to be a celebration every day of our life. The same is true when we come to the uh, celebration of Easter. And people uh, can say, well, we don't celebrate the date. We celebrate the, uh, the event of that date. Well, if that is true, then every day of our life, we should still be celebrating the resurrected Lord. For most, Easter Sunday is about Easter baskets, chocolate bunnies, celebrations, egg hunts. Uh, sadly, the day has superseded the actual celebration. And it's almost cliche to remind people of the reason that we celebrate by saying things like, well, don't forget to keep the main thing the main thing. So instead, I hope not to simply tell you what the day is about, but I hope that we can see by the end of this why this focal point is so important and such an important reality to grasp. Stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read Romans chapter 5. We'll start in verse 12. We'll read from verse 12 down to verse 19. Not too long of a portion of Scripture, but definitely one that needs to be read. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12, says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law was in the world, um, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, 
even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the offense, so as so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Father, bless your word to our hearts, we pray. It's in your son's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The, uh, the history of, uh, of this day or this uh, celebration, this holiday, uh, it is important. It's important for us to understand because I'm sure I'm not the only person who has been challenged on whether or not uh, Easter is a uh, pagan holiday or a Christian holiday. Christians stole the day. And, uh, you know, there are some people that they don't celebrate it at all. They don't celebrate any holidays. Uh, they, they believe that we shouldn't celebrate any holidays. And, and that's okay. There's liberty in that. Read your Bible. Romans 14 says some people esteem every day alike. Other people esteem uh, one day above another. Let each be fully persuaded in their own mind. And so if you have friends that don't celebrate holidays, don't castigate them. Let them alone. Let the, let grace be grace. But it's important, I believe, for us to understand why we have a special holiday. Most of the time, we go blindly about celebrating the day and never take more time uh, than, than the, the moment to really investigate the real implications of what we're celebrating. Let me give just a brief explanation to the etymology uh, of our special day. And, and it really kind of stems from that word Easter, uh, I find it interesting and hope that you too will find the history of this uh, holiday of, of, of interest. More than that, though, I pray that this will give you a newfound respect and a newfound excitement uh, for what we are celebrating. And so to begin, as many of you probably know, the term Easter uh, is derived uh, and believed to have stemmed from uh, the name of a Babylonian goddess by the name of Ishtar. Now, for us to really understand what's going on, Ishtar, it, it, the, the word Ishtar literally can be translated as morning star. Uh, it, it's, it's similar, if you remember uh, our study in the book of Esther, it's similar to that. Her name, Esther, means star. Ishtar would be the morning star or that, that, uh, uh, that sunrise is kind of what it's trying to indicate. And this idea of this Babylonian goddess was uh, uh, the uh, goddess of fertility who brought about new birth. She was not just fertility in people, but also in the land itself. And they celebrated this at springtime. Makes sense. 
I don't know about you, but it's springtime. You look out and you see new life. It goes from all the trees being barren and all the plants being dead. You start to see new life uh, arising. The Christians are accused to have stolen this celebration from uh, from the uh, uh, pagan goddess Ishtar. But another accusation that is given to us, because in the French, the word uh, for Easter is paquez. Uh, this word is uh, comes from the Latin and Greek, pasha, which is also Passover. So then the other accusation comes in, well, maybe they didn't steal it from the Babylonians. Perhaps they stole it from the Jews, and it's the Passover, and they just tried to recreate the Passover. You know, it, it, it's, it's difficult to really... Uh, uh, handle some of these accusations because, to be honest with you, some of them are very faulty to begin with. If you were to follow the line of reasoning, we're not taking anything away from the Passover. We believe that our Passover lamb has come. And so Christ was that Passover lamb. And so it's not necessarily a matter of replacing Passover with Easter as much as celebrating the Passover was fulfilled. But again, back to this idea of Easter, and then where do the bunnies and the eggs and all that kind of stuff come in? Well, don't forget that English is a Germanic language. It's not based in Greek. It's not based in Latin. It's a Germanic language. Much of what we have in Celebrate, for example, you've heard of Yuletide and the 12 days of Christmas and things like that, come from Germanic culture. In the Germanic uh, culture, there is belief now... There's some uh, uh, dis uh, disagreement on this, but uh, uh, thanks to the writings of one churchman, one English churchman by the name of Beda, uh, and another uh, historian by the name of Grimm. How many of you grew up on Grimm's fairy tales? Anybody else grow up on Grimm's fairy tales? You know, the Brothers Grimm? And some of you are like, I have no idea, Grimm's fairy tales. Well, you grew up on Grimm's fairy tales whether you believe it or not, whether you realize it or not. Most of the fairy tales that we get come from the Brothers Grimm, and they were historians and linguists. And most of what we understand about the history of our language comes from Grimm's fairy tales. Well, they wrote about this uh, as far as a uh, Germanic uh, deity, the name uh, Euster. It's spelled E-O-S-T-R-E. In German, it developed into Oster, and in English, it developed into Easter. They had this uh, celebration at springtime. But what to do when you have a group of people who don't believe in God, in, in the God of, uh, uh, of the Hebrews, that, that don't believe in Christ, but they have these celebrations and they're really important to them. What do you do when those come to know Christ as Savior? They chose, the Christians didn't do this, they chose to keep the celebration, but to add to it the proper reasoning. And so as a result of what was taking place in their life, when they came to know Christ, they stopped celebrating this pagan goddess. Instead, they celebrated the resurrection. Now, the two really do come, come together and can be connected with one another. And if we understand what is, what's all taking place in that Germanic uh, uh, custom, it was customary to uh, pay their taxes in the springtime with eggs. Because it had been winter all year, all, all, all season long, been winter. They didn't have the ability to really make much money. 
but they had eggs, and they were allowed to pay their taxes in eggs. This is where we get our Easter eggs. Where did the bunnies come from? Eosters believed to have transformed her bird, her pet bird, into a rabbit, which is why we get eggs from rabbits. That's where they came from. Now, some of us are like, wait a minute, we got, we got the Easter eggs, we got the rabbits and all this stuff. And it, it's important for you to understand how things morph and change through time. But here's where we want to really kind of camp. Here's what I want us to understand more than anything is the why we celebrate Easter. Why do we do this? Simply because there are other religions who celebrated holidays around the same time does not necessarily mean that the Christians stole the day. We have a reason for celebration. We have a reason for celebrating at this time. Historically speaking, you can go back and you can see where the uh, 14th day of the month of Nisan, which is when they would celebrate uh, Passover. We believe Christ was crucified at the Passover, that he rose again three days later. This is why we celebrate when we do. We're not stealing one day over uh, from another group of people. It has nothing to do with it. But now that we get to this point, I want us to look at why we celebrate. Not just what we celebrate, but why. So now that you've had your history and English lesson, and that's over with, let's move on to the question that's really, uh, uh, what is it that we're celebrating, and why is it that we're celebrating? Now, I've seen uh, arguments among Christians over some of the most petty things. I've seen arguments over Christians over the right style of music, over the right style of, uh, of dress, over the right style of ministries, over the right kind of uh, people or the right, uh, right version of the Bible. And there's so many different arguments and people can really kind of get divisive, but then they try to find that common ground on something that is typically secondary, typically off to the side. But here's what I'm hoping that we can come together on. Rather than looking for common ground on the petty things, as Christians, let's unite around the gospel. The gospel. Understand what it is that we're celebrating. Understand what it is that is taking place that we're getting excited about. And I'm hoping that by the end of this, you won't just know what we're celebrating, but you too will be able to, in heart, in spirit, and in truth, proclaim that's the celebration that I'm going to keep. Let's look at just a few things this morning. First, understanding what the resurrection of Jesus does and what the resurrection of Jesus means. Look back to Romans chapter number 1 with me, please. Romans chapter 1. You're already in the book of Romans, so just go back a few pages. Look at Romans 1, starting, uh, starting in verse uh, 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also called out, uh, uh, called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God. I want you to notice verse 4, declared, talking about the Son, talking about Jesus Christ, declared to be the Son of God with power 
according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Here's something that we celebrate when we celebrate the resurrection and understand something very, very seriously. First off, we do celebrate the resurrection. I think sometimes we make, a, uh, we, we make all the spotlight go to the crucifixion of Christ. And that is where the spotlight should be. But don't ever forget that it wasn't the crucifixion where it ended. If it weren't for the resurrection, we would just be like everybody else and we would have a dead deity. Everybody else, their, their leaders, their, their, their deities, their gods, their, uh, their uh, different people that they look to, their prophets, they're dead. Ours is not. So we celebrate the resurrection. This is why I'm not a fan of, uh, of seeing Christ on a crucifix. Christ is not there anymore. He's alive forevermore. But the first thing that it does, that the resurrection does, and we can celebrate this this morning, it proves he is God. Proves Jesus' deity. You know, if we really kind of look at this, you've heard it before, and I've, I've got it up on the board there for you. You really only have one of three possibilities. Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar, or he is the Lord. He can't be a good man. It's not a possibility because he's led people to their death. A good man wouldn't cause martyrs for his name if he wasn't truly who he claimed to be. Either he's, he was crazy, touched in the head, and should have been committed, or he was lying through his teeth, or he was who he claimed to be. And the resurrection proves to us <laughs> he was who he claimed to be. Think for just a moment. If you're, if you're here this morning and you're a little bit skeptical, praise the Lord. Think. Use your brain. Come to the place where you say, all right, God, if you are who, truly who you say you are, show me this. I'd love to. How about some evidence in this? You have a group of people that are referred to as disciples following their God. And in that day and time, they believed that the Messiah was going to come and set up and rule a rule and a reign and a kingdom on earth. It was going, he was going to come. He was going to get them out from under the, the oppression. He was going to establish Israel. It was going to be a beautiful thing. And then they look and there is their leader dead on a cross. Do you think maybe their hopes were dashed? But then three days later, he rose again. If he had not risen from the dead, those disciples could have never, would have never pursued the first church, the early church. Their hopes were completely gone. But then Jesus comes back and he says, you remember I told you about this? The angels, they said, don't you remember when he was with you in Galilee? He told you how the Son of Man was going to have to be crucified and then raised from the dead. If the resurrection never took place, they would have never laid their life down for that. If the resurrection never took place, why in the world would you have seen Peter and John on the streets proclaiming Christ, whom you crucified, has risen from the dead? You won't find that. Of course... 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8, 
tell us what the gospel is, but then it follows it up with this. It says that how that Christ was uh, uh, died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and raised again according to the scriptures. But then it says this, and he was seen. He was seen of the twelve. He was seen of some of the other disciples. He was seen of over 500 at the same time. And it states it as a fact. He says, if you don't believe me, go ask them yourself. They're still alive, most of them. This is the way Paul's writing it. It's a fact. He rose from the dead. Fact. No matter what anybody else wants to try to, well, he just passed out. Uh-uh. Do your history. There was no way he was just going to pass out on that cross. He was dead. Well, they stole the body. Mm -mm. You try. Some of those disciples were filleted. Some of them had their heads cut off. Some of them had spears driven through them. Would you have allowed that to happen to you if you knew it was a lie? I wouldn't have. I'll be honest with you. I'm not that much of a man. I'd have my head on the chopping block. That cold steel would be resting on there. The guy would be getting ready to swing. I'd be, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's a lie. It's a lie. Nope, 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 nope. Maybe I would have endured the head chopping, but I certainly wouldn't have endured being filleted. I'm the worst filleter in the world. I feel sorry for the fish. I look at that thing at the end of it, and I go, dear God, forgive me. There's a piece of meat. <laughs> There's another. Look, I'm, oh, I see that and I just think to myself, those disciples, what they went through, it had to be true. Had to be true. The second thing, Christ's resurrection means that Jesus defeated death. Brother Dell read from uh, 1 Corinthians 15 just a little bit ago. But let me give you a word of caution here. Just like on, your, on, on the pill bottles, you know, you got that surgeon general warning, you know, only take 55 of these at a time or whatever it is. Here's the Surgeon General's warning. I'm going to warn you all something right now. Ten out of every ten people die. Get the statistics right. Some of you are slow. You'll get that tomorrow. It's okay, or your wife will help you with it later. Ten out of every ten people die. But we don't have to be afraid of it. Because Christ defeated death. Were it not for the resurrection, I can understand people still being afraid because they don't know what's coming. <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead. The Apostle Paul says it this way, but for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Gain. Look at the third thing with me. Christ's resurrection means that believers are justified. Still here in the book of Romans, go to chapter 5, Romans chapter 5. And you look there in verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. For until the law was in the world... But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Note this. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more by the grace of God and the gift 
by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Do you realize that we are justified because of what Christ went through? This is all based on, what if you were to go back to chapter 4, the very last verse of chapter 4. Notice this. Talking about Jesus still, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. You are justified because He lives. I don't know about you, but that's worth celebrating. The fact that I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I was deserving of death. I was deserving of something to be feared. I should have been afraid of death. But because of Christ, because He rose from the dead, because He had paid for my iniquities, and He is forevermore on the, uh, seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father, because of Him, I need fear no death, because I have been justified, made right. Number four, Christ's resurrection means that we have been made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you were to look in Romans chapter 6, look at verse, uh, just look at verse 4 with me here. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we also should walk in newness of life. Drop down to verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. We have been given a new life. This is the, the resurrection makes us new. Never wait around till Easter to celebrate this truth. Let today be the last time that we ever allow a whole year to go by before we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about this for just a minute. This should be a daily thing for us to celebrate. When I am tempted to sin, I need to remember the resurrection. When I'm tempted to sin, get that. We still struggle with these fleshly bodies. We still struggle with the foreign appetites that should not be there anymore. And when I am confronted with that, I need to be reminded of the resurrection that I am dead to sin. And I've been raised to walk a new life. When, the, when I question the validity of Scripture, I need to remember the resurrection. That proves it. If I remember that there's a true God who came to this earth, who lived amongst us, who died for us, and was risen from the dead. The rest of Scripture is easy. <laughs> We're like, well, how can you believe in six days? I believe that there was a God who died for me. I don't have a problem with six days. Well, how can you believe in Noah and the ark? I believe in a God who paid for my sins and has prepared a home for me in heaven has justified me I don't have a problem with a boat and some animals well how can you believe that a man was swallowed by a whale really y'all need to do some scientific study and look at a whale it's big I don't have any problem believing that 
When I fear death, I need to remember the resurrection. When I wonder if God loves me. When I get caught in a sin and I wonder, am I worthless now? Does God really want me? (laughs) Remember the resurrection. When I question my position with God, remember the resurrection. You see, Christ's resurrection, number five, means that we have hope. Hope. (laughs) 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have this wonderful hope. Because of Jesus Christ. Don't ever lose hope. Don't ever lose hope. When you start to find yourself wondering, is tomorrow going to be worse than it was yesterday? Don't lose hope. The Bible tells us it's going to get worse here on this earth. I'm sorry. But guess what? After this earth, it gets better. After it gets worse for a little while, there's coming a day when God says, enough's enough. (laughs) It's going to get better. The resurrection gives us this hope. So, what do we do with all this? Beloved, are you struggling to live a victorious life in Christ? Are you finding it difficult to live the life Uh, to live in that love of God? Are you fearful of death? Are you struggling with these things? Are you terrified of making a mistake to where God will no longer love you? Do you find it difficult to believe that you are not in bondage to sin any longer? If you are born again by the Spirit of God, you have been made new. If you are born again by the Spirit of God, you are no longer in bondage to that old self. It's a choice. It's a choice. My friend, the reason that we have these problems is because we have not allowed the resurrection of Jesus Christ to become a full impact and truth to us. That's why. Yes, Christ died for you. (laughs) And his death is important. But Christ also rose from the dead for you. He bled his blood for you. He suffered the wounds for you. But he rose for you, proving who he was. His death was important, yes. But so is his resurrection. And until that becomes personal to you, it will remain useless to you. It's got to be personal. It's got to be personal. Do you know this? Do you live this? Has this become personal to you? We can celebrate our Lord. We can celebrate death's defeat. We celebrate the justification. We celebrate the new life and the new hope. This is what we celebrate today. The question is, can you celebrate 
Or is today just another day like any other? Hurry up, preacher, get it done. The ham's getting cold. We got to go hide the Easter eggs. The chocolate's melting out in this sun. This northeast Ohio, we weren't expecting it to be sunny. Chocolate's melting out in those kids are going to open up those eggs. And then they're going to be filthy. And preacher, I'm going to bring the laundry to you. You can do it. Right? Is today just another day? We celebrate the resurrection. I wonder what would happen if instead of spending time learning what the gospel is, we spent time learning what the gospel means for us. Get it. It's more than just another day. Can you proclaim that I am dead to sin? Can you proclaim I have buried the old life? Can you proclaim that I have been raised to walk a new line? Can you proclaim this? Can you honestly say that the gospel has changed you? Can you celebrate with us? And have you been made new? Know this. It's not Jesus did this and that's all. No, 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 my friend. He died and rose again so you could have access to the Father. To give you a new life. To give you a life of abundance. More abundantly. He did this for you. It's not just a, well, let's just get, let's get the information and move on. Mm-mm. But here's the problem. So often I believe we, we present that this is what God did for you. And then we move on. You know, come Christmas time. If someone brought presents and placed them under the tree, said, those are for you. Those are your presents. And you watched as Christmas morning came by and you didn't open the presents, but so thankful that somebody gave me a present. A couple weeks go by and that present's still sitting there wrapped. So thankful someone did that for me. Someone was nice enough to give me a present. And they put a lot of work into wrapping it. I don't want to tear the wrapping paper up. You never take the time to open the gift. Why? You see, this is the way it is with the gospel. The gospel is presented to us. Christ died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day for you. And there's so many people today that go, yeah, I know. And they have yet to take the gift, open it up, and make it truly theirs. Is that you this morning? I know about Jesus. I know what he did. But that's as far as it goes. Trust Christ this morning. Trust him. Let him reshape your life. Don't come to him to make the life you want go the way you want it. Come to him expecting to lose your life, but gain something better than you could have ever imagined. Because I came to give you that life. I came to give you an abundant life. But we hold on to the one we have and we want. And he's just saying, let me make you new. New. Think about that. I think sometimes we think God's in the recycling business. He's not. He doesn't take old 
and fix it up. He makes it new. New. He doesn't repair it. He makes it new. This is what God wants to do for you. If you'll let him. If you'll let him. Father, we thank you once again for a day like today where we're able to pause and be reminded of why we celebrate and what it is that we celebrate. We ask, Lord, that you would help us this morning. That God, as we give ourselves to you, as we remove anything that might be in the way, as we take ourselves and, and, and step away from just what it is that we want or what we think, and we look to your word, to your son, to what he did, the gift of salvation is offered. It's wide open, available to us. And Father, we have to accept it. We have to place our trust in you. We have to allow you to make us new. So Father, would you use this day to draw all of our attention unto you. Change hearts this morning, I beg you. God in heaven, those who are here that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, they know about you, but they don't know you, that today would be the day that they would place their trust in you. Please, Father, change lives today. Those of us who are cold and aloof, would you remind us and, and revive our hearts this morning? Father, we'll be very careful to look to you and to give you all praise, all honor, and all glory. For you and you alone deserve it. Now work in our midst this morning, we pray. It's in your Son's name. Amen.